Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Author's Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing, and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the author's podcast, and here is your host, Lisa Newton. Hello and welcome to another episode of the author's podcast. My name is Lisa Newton, I'm your host, and in each show I'll interview a different author, asking them about their book or books, how they got started, and what tips they might have for you out there thinking of writing a book. On today's episode, my guest is called Shazan Taharka, and she also goes by the name of Shazan Poetess. Shazan is an award-winning visual and spoken word artist and author of the self-help novel Journey of a Sister, which features her artwork and poetry. In 2014, Shazan won the title International Artist of the Year in the Spoken Word Billboard Awards USA. Shazan is passionate about helping women or women to heal from psychological, emotional and physical abuse in order to develop love for themselves, to know themselves, rebuild their family structure, build strong relationships with their men and ultimately to rebuild our community. Her novel partly tells her own story, which many sisters and brothers have been able to identify with. One quote was from Jay Jem, which said, It felt as though I was reading my diary. I had so many mixed emotions. There were moments of tears, laughter, and last but for most, hope. So I should have on, on the line there with me, Shazan Taharka. Yes, I'm here. Good morning, Lisa. Good Thank morning. you for having me on your show. I'm delighted. I'm <laughs> delighted. Excellent. Okay, so Journey of a Sister. That's the name of the book. Tell me how the, the book came about. Well, that's the revised edition of the novel. It's a self-help novel. So the first edition was originally titled Single, Spiritual and Sexual. And it basically came about because I wanted to share everything I'd learned since asking God for the truth, having grown up as a Christian, um, indoctrinated into the faith. Mm-hmm. and But getting to a point where I was beginning to question a lot of what I'd been taught to believe. So I had this relationship with God as in that I'd developed as in he was my spiritual father and I could talk to him about anything. So I asked all these questions and ended this letter that I wrote to him by asking for the truth. And so that kind of took me on a a new journey of learning everything I've, I've talked about in the book. 
referring to the creative power of our thoughts, you know, because I used to suffer from depression and wondering why I was creating this life of misery, basically. And so one of the first things I learned was my thoughts are creative, you know, and so therefore I had to begin to learn to think correctly. And part of that was learning how to meditate. So the book takes you through that journey of learning how to create using your thoughts, words and actions. Right. And, um, and then also unindoctrinating myself from a lot of what I'd been um, taught to believe that wasn't serving me, mm. especially to do around sex and money. And <laughs> yeah, so she goes through this whole journey, which I, I found that a lot of women and brothers were able to relate to. So I was basically not just telling my story, I was telling our story. Mm. And that was why when I was revising the book, and I also added two new chapters, I retitled it Journey of a Sister, because a lot of women were telling me how the book had helped them on their journey. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting. You grew up in the church, is that correct? Mm. Okay. And is that like from the an early age, would you go to, say, Sunday school every Sunday? Exactly. And also it was in the home as well. You know, we were taught in, well, it was an indoctrination, but I'm not saying that it was a bad thing. It, but a lot of it I found was self-defeating. Okay. You know, being taught that I was poor, wretched, sinner, born born a sinner, you know, and that, you know, a lot of what, you, I was always feeling guilty about something, you okay. know, always feeling condemned. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've heard that happens a lot in the Catholic religion. Is that what it was? I wasn't a Catholic. Okay. We were, I, I was brought up Pentecostal, but oh, I think right. mainly most religions, you know, even if it wasn't Christianity, a lot of them, they, they are kind of like a mental institution. Yes. You know, like you're not allowed to think outside of that box. Okay. And so for me, it was breaking free of that way of thinking mm. and allowing myself to, to think for myself. Mm. You know, that was part of that process, yeah. Very interesting. And are you still a church attendee now? Well, funnily enough, I, um, when I asked God for the truth, I, God, because I had a very personal relationship with God, gave me a task to do, which was to go through the whole Bible and pick out all the scriptures that, there were three things I was looking for. One, that made me feel good. Two, that empowered me, especially as a woman, because you'd be surprised at how much, how many, how much of the scriptures disempower, were disempowering for women mm. uh, and three that set me free so those were the three things I was looking for and when I compiled all these scriptures I had I basically was led not to read the Bible anymore but to just work with those scriptures and okay. I turned them into affirmations and began working those were my first my, that was my first use of working with positive affirmations was based on those scriptures and, and then as my journey progressed I was was attracting books like Think and Grow Rich, yes. um, The Magic of Thinking Big, you know, like a lot of Tony Robbins material. Yeah. And a lot of these books written by old white men in the early 1900s. <laughs> I was attracting these books and they were quoting scriptures. And I was thinking, but they're not Christians. Why are they quoting scriptures? And then I began to learn that they were actually universal laws. Yes. Like they were in the Bible, but they were kind of hidden, like cloaked. Mm. So they didn't, it wasn't allowing me to live 
the full abundance that I was meant to live as a, as a Christian. Mm. So yeah, and that was the journey, beginning to learn to use my mind to create the life that I believed I was here to live. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very interesting you say that because I know uh, one guy who at church, he, because I said to him, you know, I, I do yoga, I do meditation. And he mm. was like, oh, no, you shouldn't do exactly. yoga. It's, um, you know, you don't know what spirits might be entering your mind. And mm. I just thought, wow, you know, it's that's one point of view of yoga but you know in in another part of the world in the eastern tradition and philosophy it's actually a calming meditative you know to be in a meditative state is a a calming process and it expands your mind so I I went through one part of my life where I just focused like for a whole year on learning how to meditate and really going within Mm. and it was at that point I did my paintings and I had Christians telling me, oh, you know what you're opening yourself up to? And I'm thinking, well, what have you opened yourself up to? Because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're not living the life, you're a Christian. This is what I used to say to God. If I'm supposed to be a child of the king mm. and, you know, heir to your kingdom, mm. where's my stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why do I have to wait until I die and go to heaven? How do I even know I'm going to get into heaven? You know, that's what I used to say to God. Yeah. And, um... God began to show me hmm. how to that the kingdom of heaven is within. It's within me. Yes, you know, and my source is within. It's not beyond the clouds somewhere. Hmm. It's within. So learning to tap into my source, hmm. you know, and yeah, I, I started learning how to do to do yoga, and I got that, you know. And but now, in answer to your question, I am. I I didn't go to church for about seven years. I was led to just go on this other path. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I learned about my history because growing up in church, I didn't learn anything about my African ancestry or that we were originally from Africa. We were mm-hmm. My parents were Jamaican and that was it as far as they were concerned. You couldn't tell them that they were African, mm-hmm. you know. They didn't want to hear that at all. They were so spiritually cut off from their roots mm-hmm. and they'd been given this religion and that was it. You, if you hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's it. That's it. You know, that was their life. Mm. And my new journey was learning the history of Christianity, learning about the Council of Nicaea, you know, how these ancient manuscripts were stolen from ancient Kemet and taken to Greek, and, you know, how they used these ancient manuscripts to create these new holy books, you know, in order to, and then they give it, gave it back to us, but in the form of mental slavery. Okay. You know? Yeah, no. It's- very interesting and has anyone like uh, in the church or from that time sort of read your books because i i understand what you're saying and I, I i agree with you i've met a lot of people who are really i'd say like the word you used indoctrinated by religion mm. and mm. i don't really think it's serving them but they're still caught up in it because of fear because the thing with the, the religion it's a fear, it's fear based yeah you know it's fear based so they that is the fear that keeps them in it mm. because they think, oh my God, if I can't leave, I'm, you know, I'll end up in hell. Yes. But they don't stop to think that these people that gave them that religion, they're not following it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And the fact that it was whipped into our ancestors, yes. you know, they were told not to follow their own spirituality, but that they, they needed this white savior. Yes. You know? It's caused a lot of psychological, to me, it's psychological warfare against us, our people. Mm. And the whole thing of even 
separating sex from spirituality. This was the thing for me, being a young Christian in the church and being a Scorpio as well. I was quite a very sexual person. <laughs> <laughs> and but I was made to feel guilty every time I had sex with this man that I loved and I wasn't ready to get married. I would go to God and say, look, I just can't do this thing. I'm too weak. You know, my, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. You know, but I felt God just kept drawing me, drawing me to him. Mm. And that was how I developed my relationship with God. And for me now, it's more about relationship. God is seeking relationship. Mm. It's not about the book. It's about having a relationship mm. with him. It's not even about going to church because, you know, like my Christian friends, a lot of them, you know, when they heard I'd stopped going to church, they didn't want to know me anymore. It was like, I, I backslidden. Wow. And my ways of thinking were changing, which mm. wasn't in line with how they think thought anymore. So mm. therefore, they couldn't relate to me anymore. Yes. And yes. so now I know that I'm, I'm actually being led to go back into the church. And it's funny how God works, actually, because now I'm being led to go back into the church. And I actually attended a a friend invited me to a church launch and it turned out to be my old pastor from like 20 odd years ago she was launching a new church having <laughs> husband i gave her my book and she, she read some of it and she's like oh no no it's um it's not in you know it's not in line with our how we think blah 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 so um but i met another reverend there and i gave her the book and she was like she's more on my page and i believe that there that, that there's a shift happening where religion is concerned and people are beginning to wake up and realising that they've been held in mental bondage. So I didn't write the book to, for everybody. I wrote the book for those who were like where I was eight years ago, searching for the truth, you know, beginning to think, hmm, I've, you know, have, is, this thing isn't serving me. How is that, you know, is there more than what I've been taught to believe? So do you think this book would appeal to those perhaps in the church, women, maybe men as well, in the yeah. church at the moment, who yeah. are just sort of thinking, hmm, not yeah. sure about this? Exactly why I revised it, actually, was specifically for the church market, because the first edition of the book, Single, Spiritual and Sexual, loads of, I'm just, I'm, I think I sold about 500 of the paperback copies, and I don't know how much of the e-books I sold. I sold yeah. downloads, a lot of downloads, and so I have a lot of very good feedback regarding the first edition but then I kind of felt like I was preaching to the already converted yes. you know? and I specifically wanted to target church people and after giving the book to my, my ex-pastor and she was like oh no no I thought to myself and I actually had a word that said that you don't need pastor's permission because mm. it's kind of like a dentist you can't or um, the doctor if you get people in perfect health there's no need for the doctor anymore. There's no need for the dentist anymore. Yes. Yeah. So it's in their best interest for people to learn the truth, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's very true. It's very interesting. I've always wondered, and I've kind of had a little theory or two of my own, why there are, it would seem, especially in, in black churches, a, a lot more women than men, and a lot of single women as well. That was part of the, what, what I was saying in the book as well. Like A lot of women, it, again, that's against psychological warfare against our people because if there's no men for these women to have you know to marry or have children with that reduces the population somewhat mm. you know but is it a, a female thing why why do you think there aren't maybe as many men in the church as women 
Well, when you think about it, it's the same when you go to clubs, isn't it? <laughs> no, but normally, women. though, when, when I've spoken to people who have been bouncers, they're not really supposed to tell you this, but, I, well, it's their like their door policy. They will have policies which will say things like, if there's groups of men, we don't let them in, but we'll let in large groups of women. And if there are men, normally they have to go in with a, a female. And uh, I, I don't know, you know that's their, their door policy. A lot of clubs have this, and it's because they don't want their clubs just full of men because it will get too um, aggressive and potentially turn into a fight apparently so they okay. say as though women don't fight as well but yeah. <laughs> I think generally women are more intuitive so they're more in tune with spirit I don't know I think that there is something about that we are more in tune with spirit and everything's been turned upside down you have to know that this that originally God was not a male, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. and there's a silent war, I believe, against the black woman. I wrote a, in my latest blog, um, if you go on to journeyofasister.com, I wrote a blog about this, that if things have been turned upside down, if you turn it back around the right way, you'll see that actually the black woman mm. was the creator. I mean, they know that the, the earliest human remains was of a black woman. You know, if they trace it back. And then I also mentioned mitochondrial DNA, which can only be found in the woman. But being the mother, black woman is the mother of all nations. Mm. So she is supposed to be the one at the top. But they've switched everything around and made the white man who has the weakest genes mm. at the top and doing everything to keep the black woman and her male counterpart at the bottom. So that's why I think it's important that we know who we are, we remember, remember who we are and heal ourselves. This is the work that I'm doing and why I wrote the book is to help us to remember who we are, to heal ourselves, to heal our relationships and to make sure that we don't raise the next generation the way we were raised, you know, so that our children grow up to be mentally strong and mentally free, you know? Yeah. That is the work that I'm aiming to do. We're even looking at setting up healing villages outside of the Western world where these women can go and raise their children and their partners. You know, it's, it's much bigger than just a book. It's a whole program to help us to heal as a community. Okay. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. For those who are just tuning in, I'm talking to Shazan Taharka, also goes by the name of Shazan Poetess. She's an award-winning visual and spoken word artist and the author of the self-help novel Journey of a Sister which features her artwork and poetry so Shazan tell me then it, the, the book features your artwork and poetry so you are you do come from an arty background tell me a little bit about that I was like a blocked writer and artist for over 20 years but I went through as I was going through my process of self-healing and really going within and finding out what was going on in my subconscious mind and mm. clearing 
the debrief, so to speak, and I unblocked as a writer and as an artist. So I first did the paintings, did some, wrote some poems that went with the paintings, and then I was led to, to write the, the novel. Mm. And as I was writing, I realised that my artwork and poetry could be used to illustrate the book. So all kind, everything just kind of came together yes. organically, you know. And that's how it is. It's not, the book is not my, my autobiography by any stretch of imagination. I actually used the book to stretch my imagination because I had learned that I can create whatever I can imagine. You yeah. know, and I was learning about creative visualization. So I used the book to stretch my imagination to its limits. And then I discovered it didn't have any limits. <laughs> I could just go on and on and on. Well, it was just great. And so the storyline is totally made up. I mean, the first chapter talk, it, it refers to my her story in terms of growing up in the Christian background, dealing with all the issues of my sexual desires and not knowing what to do with them or, or falling into sin, as they call it and then feeling guilty about it. Mm. And so that was my, her story. And I've found so many people were able to relate to that, you know, and even the whole thing with, um, I don't know if it's a daytime show or nighttime show, so I'm not going to say too much. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, having to, to, to change my way of thinking around sex and even marriage. Mm. And funnily enough, now I am actually getting married <laughs> but not in the sense of a conventional white wedding mm. because i don't believe in that um part of my quest was what does god, what is god's idea of marriage mm. because the, the wedding dress the signing a register which is a contract with the government nothing to do with god um going on a honeymoon that's nothing to do with god so i wanted to know what is god's idea of marriage you know for me you know, it's a spiritual union and it's a marriage of your minds and your hearts and your soul mm. so me and my partner we are creating our idea of what marriage is mm. making up our own vows and just probably jump a broom on the beach <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but having that total commitment to each other at the same time mm. and knowing that it doesn't doesn't take and register to be totally committed mm. to coming together yeah okay and going into ministry together you know and mm. sharing he has a story to share i have a story to share we all have a story to share but okay. when it comes together you know then um mm. so when you said then you were led to to write the book what do you yeah. mean by that tell me about that Being so led. the process yeah because the process of writing a novel Part of my self-healing journey was, again, learning that I am God in the flesh. And as a goddess, I must create, because that's what God does. He creates, doesn't he? So as a goddess, I began creating and allowing myself, you know, part of my unblocking as a writer and an artist was uh, thinking of myself simply as a channel for God to create through. Mm. That's the only way God can create is through us. Mm. So... I just opened myself up as a channel for God to create through. And I actually dropped out of my creative writing course because I found it a bit too restrictive. And so that when I started writing the novel, um, I'd written 46,000 words in three months. And that was simply by going to bed at four o'clock, sorry, eight o'clock in the evening, waking up at four o'clock in the morning and writing for two hours. And sometimes I would wake up and it was almost like I was watching a scene in a film. 
and I was just writing what I was recording, writing what I was seeing rather. Yeah. And some nights I would wake up. Uh, a lot of what I write is in between sleeping and waking because that is when you're most in contact with your superconscious mind, which yes. is what your mind that is connected with your source. So I wrote a lot of my book half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it comes in a semi-meditative state, not half yeah. asleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And auto writing, or some uh-huh. even one particular scene. I remember, I woke up. I didn't remember it at the time, but I woke up in the middle of the night, wrote this scene, went back to sleep, and in the morning, I didn't even remember writing it. Wow. And um, it was only like a few days later, I was flipping through my notebook, my, my journal, and. I saw it and I said, oh my God, this is good. I need to put this in, in my book. And I put it in the book and it was actually the scene where the couple performed their first sex ritual, oh. which I knew nothing about at the time. It was just something I'd auto-written. Oh. And when I published the book and I was like, I published Evil on Amazon and I was doing a search, you know, single spiritual and sexual if my book pops up. And when it popped up, Another book kept popped up beside it in the recommended section and the book was called The Secret Science of Black Male and Female Sex and I was like, oh, what's that about? And I ordered it and he was literally talking about that same thing in more detail of what I'd written about, which I thought was like made up. Mm. (laughs) And then since then, I did more research about this and I found out that it's actually a real thing. Secret societies practice it. Tant- you know, when, like I study a little bit about tantric sex mm. and realizing, learning about sexual energy and what it can be used for, yeah. you know, in terms of creating the pot- how potent that forces yeah. and how it can be used to create other things other than babies. Yes. You know? yeah. The book it does go into that. And um, it's funny because Think and Grow Rich kind of touches on that. I yes, think they call it transmutability. Right. Transmute, sex transmutation. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is actually a real thing. And But there is a, a secret science to black men and female sex. And I believe that this is a reason why they do try to keep the black man and woman separate from each other. Because if we were operating on our highest level of frequency, you know, they give us bad food to eat, which kind of blocks our us spiritually and our third eye mm. it's the food it's the music if the music we're listening to is on the wrong frequencies that affects us on, on a dna level as well mm. by getting into nature as well that will help to heal you the food you eat meditation will help to elevate your consciousness and then if the black man and a woman, black woman come together on that high level of consciousness which is the crown chakra which is where now we get into become a king and a queen yeah. and then you come together and perform that ritual you know there's nothing you can't create basically fantastic fascinating yeah. stuff absolutely mm. fant- fascinating let me just read one of the reviews that was here it said absolutely fantastic This book had me captivated from the first few paragraphs. There was so much that I could relate to and find myself reading anxiously, wondering what was going to happen next. At the same time, it was answering a few questions I had asked myself. An amazing read. And that's from Sean USA. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. 
For those of you just tuning in, I'm talking to Shazan Tahaka, also goes by the name of Shazan Poetess. Shazan has written the self-help novel Journey of a Sister, which features her artwork and poetry. So it's a fictional novel, you would say, but kind of based on a few autobiographical elements. Is that fair to say? I would say that it was probably about 20 to 30 percent autobiographical in, in the sense of the, the Christian background and yeah. having to indoctrinate myself. But the storyline itself was, mm. was most of it was made up. The scene in the beginning in year one where the couple met, that was actually based on a true incident where I met my twin soul. Um, he actually, when, I, when he read it, he contributed and gave his version. And that's in chapter five, year five. But the storyline itself is divinely inspired mm. I didn't I, I, I didn't sit down and and construct it mm. it was divinely inspired yeah so tell me what is a twin soul I know I mean I didn't find out what a twin soul was until we, we were eight years into our on-off relationship which we had for about 11 years but the difference between I've written a blog post about this actually what is the difference between a twin soul and a soulmate yeah so you can have many soulmates I believe you only have one twin soul. So a twin soul is basically, I don't know if you believe in reincarnation at all, but yes. it would basically mean that a soul is, is too big to fit into one body. So it has to split into two. Mm. And then it, it's in two separate bodies. So when I met my twin soul, the room was like packed with people. I was doing my very first stand at an event and he was like, at the opposite side of the room and the room was filled with people but it was like he stood out like a neon light I couldn't even you know I was trying to write and explain what was happening that day and the closer he was getting I was getting palpitations getting all hot and you know like oh my god do I even know this guy mm. you know <laughs> and then when he finally sort of got close we had this real surreal experience and I didn't realize at the time that he was having it as well I never discussed it with him it's only when I sent him the first chapter and then he called me the following morning and gave me his version of what happened that day eight years later wow that we had this experience where the whole room went silent you know like in those mm. films where it's just everything becomes a blur around you and it's mm. just the two people in the room that it was like that it's very and funny it you're so saying profound. this because someone else has, has said a similar thing as well. But yeah, con continue. The same thing yeah, she so said, it was like, like no a, one else was a, there. Yeah, it was like a profound experience. And mm. I do believe that's when you, that's why I think it's important to know, for people to know about twin souls. So that when you meet your twin soul, you know that that's my twin soul. Because I didn't know. And I kind of actually ruined the relationship. <laughs> but the thing with twin souls, the difference between them is that when they come together, it's always, it's not, not necessarily about them, it's more about helping the planet to evolve. Mm. So I can guarantee you that that book would never have been written if it wasn't for my on-off, you know, encounters with my twin soul over this 11-year period. Mm. And what would and you say is a soulmate? You can have many soulmates. Yeah, yeah you can have many soulmates. You, you can have sisters, your brother, you know, friends. They can be soulmates. So soulmates are not necessarily romantic always romantic it could be like your like my sister is my soulmate i have friends who are soulmates but the twin soul is you're only really going to meet a twin soul once whereas you can have many twin many soulmates mm. and would you say a twin a twin soul therefore 
should that be a happy time or is it going to be challenging helping you grow? It's definitely, well, for me, it was very challenging. As I remember when the woman who told me about Twin Souls, she was like, oh, I'd never want to meet my Twin Soul. And then she gets sent me some links to go and read up on it. And when I read up on it, I think, oh, my God, no wonder, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're prepared, like if I'd been prepared, I probably would handle things differently so that they wouldn't have worked, turned out like that in the first place. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. That's why I think it's important for people to know the difference between your twin soul and soulmates. Mm. Not everybody even meets their twin soul. Not everybody even has a twin soul. Mm. Depends on what you've come here to do in this lifetime. For me, I know I have a, a big purpose. I know why I'm here in this lifetime. Why, why would you say you're here in this lifetime? My purpose right now is, apart from helping my community to heal, it's about establishing God's love, understanding for people to develop real love for themselves, especially in our community, I would say, because we have a lot of self-love issues, yeah. like we've been taught to love everybody else but ourselves, yes. you know, yeah. and, and that is the root cause of a lot of our problems. So that was my journey of learning to love myself. I have a painting called Self-Love, even, which was another, some of my paintings just came to me in a flash, and that was one of them. I was about to fall asleep one night, and the image just flashed in my mind, and I drew it, and then I painted it later. But um, develop it for, because the black woman is the core, she's one of all, one, first of all, she's the mother of all nations. And secondly, she is the core of our community. So when they were seeking to split our community apart, they went for the black woman first because she was the core. Mm. So my role here is one, to help us to heal, but also it's this whole thing with religion and sex and spirituality as well. I feel that it's my job to put sex and spirituality back together again because religion was used to separate the two. So if you're yeah. sexual, you can't be spiritual. And if you're spiritual, you can't possibly be sexual, you know? Yes. Whereas the two go hand, they are one. And as melanated people, people of color, we are naturally sexual. We are naturally spiritual, mm. you know? So it's about helping us to nurture that and bring the two back together again, because that is our power. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no. Excellent. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And just... To touch on, so it sounds to me like you're quite in touch spiritually because, you know, you, you had the, the flash in, in your mind and you saw the painting and you were able to paint it. And I just want you to talk me, me through the auto writing. Um, yeah. How does that work? Because I know some people out there will probably be thinking, oh, she she might have been possessed and someone else or something else took over her pen <laughs> what would you say to that well first of all like i said i did uh, open myself up as a channel for the creator to create through that was part of my process when i was going through the unblocking period you know I was, like i said i was a blocked writer and artist for 20 years and when i it's the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. That was the book that helped me to unblock as a writer and an artist. And one of the first things she says to do is just write three pages a day every morning. It's called your morning pages. Just write three A4 sheets every morning. Mm. And just that helps you to get back into the flow. And so there's 
different, there's, it's a 12-week course and you have to really do all the tasks and, and complete them in order to go through the process of unblocking and it worked for me. I, 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 when, it, when I unblocked, I was just, everything just came gushing out. But I'd opened myself up as a channel for the creative creator. I mean, there are some parts of the book that just come like I could be washing up or hoovering or doing, you know, just lying there and things would just come to me and I'd like, oh, some, some of them were funny, you know, I'd like, oh my God, I can't possibly put that in the book, you know, but some of them like, people would say, oh, you're being blasphemous, you know, but I know God has a sense of humour, you know, <laughs> he has a sense of humour because, because people have taken what was meant to be sacred, you know, people have taken what was meant to be free, we're meant to be free beings, we're here to create our life as we choose yeah. but people have taken those ancient scripts and used it against us yeah. and God I think he has a problem with that to be honest he she because I don't really even consider God to be a male especially certainly not a white male anymore but we were we led to believe me growing up in church that God is this white male in the sky yeah. you know <laughs> and Jesus yeah. is a white man sitting on a um, cloud yeah mm. and so there's a lot of so i think i believe god is doing a work to to draw people back to him mm. without a religion you know without feeling that you have to follow a book mm. it's about relationship it's about really tuning in and knowing that you are god in the flesh i got that revelation from sitting that same painting self-love I was sitting just meditating for a couple of hours and just using it as a focal point and then one that day a scripture came to mind and I'd never heard it like that before I'd heard it in church so many times but I got the revelation of it that day and it was be still which is what I was doing I was sitting there for like two hours just being still the scripture is be still and know that I am God it was like a revelation because Absolutely. in church they used to say be still and know that I am God and it was like almost you don't have to do anything just wait for God to you know take control mm. but in that moment I got the revelation that I am God mm. you know mm. no, excellent. <laughs> and conversations with book, conversations with God book one that was a very profound book for me which yes. was very early in my quest for the truth and the way God explained himself at that point was that he is one whole being, but he, he, he didn't experience himself as God. So he split into two, and then the second half was the bit that burst into billions of, of pieces. Mm. And those are us, so that's how we are God. Mm. We're that other part of God. But there is still the other part of God in the, in the um, that's our source. Mm. But we are all sparks of that source, yeah. and we can always tap into that source. And that was so profound when I, when I, it made so much sense to me, you know, mm. that God is inside of me, you know, and that I can, the way to tap into my source is to go within. It's not outside of me, it's in, within. Within. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying there. And I think that over the years, especially religion, because I remember studying the, the sociology of religion and how we had a debate about it this was at school many years ago whether it actually helped or hindered people did a bit of both but if if you always have to go externally to the pastor or to the priest yeah. to get your answers then 
like you say with the analogy with the dentist it's like you always need them there whereas god's with within you and around you all the time yeah so it's finding that if anyone wants to get hold of the book they can get hold of the book at www.journeyofassister.com and if you are an amazon prime member you can borrow the ebook series from their lending library for free yes excellent quote here from Cher of London regarding the book she says it's an amazing book and I'd encourage women who are open to bettering themselves to read this it is a truly beautiful and realistic depiction of a woman's journey back to herself and to her God this book provides a foundation which will encourage you to continue learning and growing long after you've turned the last page mm. excellent so on that note, Shazan Tahaka also goes by the name of Shazan Poetess. Mm. I'd like to thank you very much for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. And so for the listeners out there, Shazan Poetess, Shazan Tahaka, award-winning visual and spoken word artist and author of the self-help novel Journey of a Sister. And you can get hold of that book read year one journey of a sister free at journeyofasister.com and also the whole book the whole series is available on amazon and if you're an amazon prime member and if you're if you prefer the paperbacks you can also get the paperback from journeyofasister.com yeah excellent <laughs> okay so thank you very much shazam thank you listeners i hope you enjoyed our talk there's a lot of good tips in regards to how you might get some writing done maybe go to bed a lot earlier eight o'clock get up a lot earlier four in the morning whenever it's um, good for you perhaps some meditation can help you clear your mm. mind and mm. helping you to unblock for those of you out there that might have writer's block perhaps checking out julian cameron's the artist's way and also, I, I also do offer a service. I do help other people self-publish their books. I offer edit, editing services. I'm known as the literary doula. I help people give birth to their books. So if, if anybody is interested, you can send me a message through that same website, journeyofassister.com, and I will reply. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. Oh, can I just add one last thing? Sure. I also am going to start an event where we're going to be discussing the topics raised in my self-help books. So um, if you go into the events page of journeyofassist.com, you'll find out any events there. Okay, excellent. I'll be at. <laughs> okay. Okay, com. So thank you very much, Shazan. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. I'll speak to you again soon. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our author's community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net You have just been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.